Wow, it's good here, isn't it? No, you don't understand. I, I, I've got to go around the world and lots of different churches and I get up and I'm like, hey, it's good here. And I'm lying. <laughs> it's not good. It's like um, I got up the other week there and um, I got up after someone who was playing the banjo. Worship by banjo is not Jesus. Yeah, it is not heaven. That is another spirit, I'll tell you. It's, oh. But... It's brilliant to be here. And I wondered to ask you if, like, over the next couple of days, you maybe could pray. I am, uh, on Tuesday, I'm taking my one-man comedy show um, with the message of the gospel, and I'm taking it to Derby University. And uh, I am absolutely wetting myself. I'm really nervous because I'm really aware that there's lots of things going on in universities and lots of different thinking and lots of different kind of like um, views. And so as I start proclaiming Jesus in that university, you know, lots of stuff could kick off. And um, I would love it if just while you're driving around and doing your stuff, if you just think Jesus help Mark Ritchie, help him to be funny, help him to, <laughs> help him to connect with the students, that would be fantastic. See, um, recently I felt really exposed because I'm getting the opportunity to go to these incredible places. Because I'm using this comedy show, people are putting me into all kinds of settings. And I feel a bit like, I remember seeing and uh, reading about a, a young guy who'd got a gift of being able to disable a bomb really quick. Um, and he, they put him on the front line. And when he was using that gift, when he was focused on that bomb, he had these snipers around him who were watching his back. And I really feel like um, people are needing to do that for me. Is that like as I'm out there using the gift that God has given me, I need people to pray for me and watch my back. Does that make sense? Because I feel like I'm right out on the edge. I'm right out in enemy territory. And um, maybe today, as you hear me, and maybe you come along tonight and enjoy you know, I've got these prayer cards and I'd love to let you have one and maybe you could pray for me. We send emails out regularly and it just keeps you up to date with where I am and maybe you could put a few prayers in. So I'm going to have them on me, just ask me for one or I'll put them on the front row there on the seat and you can just grab one and I would love it if people could pray for me. That would be incredible. So my wife's called Tamsin. I've got a son called Jordan who's 22 and a daughter called Kezia who's 19. And my wife put a meal together that was really amazing. She put, she got candles, she had flowers. She wanted it to be a family meal where we just kind of love each other and speak highly of each other. And uh, she put on some Bethel worship music and we had this wonderful meal um, and in the kind of starter, we're just eating our little prawns. And then um, basically my son made a comment about his sister. Now, that's my daughter. That's my little princess. So I felt it was my duty as the dad to get in his face and explain to him he cannot talk to his sister like that. He replied by saying, says who? Says who? So I felt it was important for me to get across the table to exactly explain, says who, yeah? I was explaining to him very clearly in no uncertain terms 
who says what. And I was giving him some of that when suddenly my daughter, Kezia, bursts into tears and she's like, Dad, leave him, leave him. I'm like, leave him, I'm doing this for you. And then my wife gets involved. Then my son gets up and says, I don't want to be part of this family anymore. And he's walking out and I'm like, you sit down. And we have this moment of a pause and Bethel worship music just plays <laughs> through there. And my wife just goes, not now, Jesus, not now. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of us can relate to that moment. Not now, Jesus, not now, yeah? And um, I feel really stirred up with what I've got to speak about today because I want you to, if you've got a Bible, grab it. And we're looking at these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Really famous words. 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to look from verse 4. This is what the Bible says. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never fails. I'm, I don't know if you've ever had the conversation in your house maybe sister and brother or maybe with your wife or maybe with your girlfriend or someone that you love, your boyfriend or whoever. Have you ever had the conversation where you say, who's the best driver? Have you ever had that conversation? That is a conversation that does not end well, yeah? Whatever the story. Maybe there's some guys that could stand up and say, do you know what, I'm going to honestly in front of all the people in the room, I want to testify that my wife is a better driver than me, yeah? Is there any, no one standing up? Yeah, no one. But actually, my wife is a better driver than me. She is so good. I am not a great driver. Even coming in today, there's like bays, little bays, little painted lines, not difficult. I was back and forward about seven times, yeah? And sometimes I go back and just do exactly what I did the last time. And it's like, what am I doing? rubbish driver my wife's much better than me and then um, I kind of like have to live with that you know when you're like when your wife says oh we're jumping rushing somewhere let me drive I'm a better driver it's like okay you drive but the Lord has been kind to me because in our first year of marriage, we used to live in Barnsley we used to live in this little bit it was a bit tricky little car park behind the flat and Tamsin jumped in the seat and I was in the passenger seat and I was just watching her and I goes, oh, Tamsin, have you seen, have you seen that yellow car? Because it was a bit tight. She turned to me and says, I am aware of the yellow car. And then she smacked right into it. Thank you, Jesus. I don't mind paying for that because she will pay for that for 27 years. Just like I am aware of the car. Yeah, it's brilliant. But you know, 
Now I wanted to talk to you today because you see, we have things that drive our lives. We have things that drive our lives. And uh, I, I felt really stirred up to talk to us today because I really felt to really come and bring this word that I feel that fear drives some of our lives. The English one, there's some of us, and, and, and we just know that like fear is making our decisions for us. Fear is, is fueling our reactions to things. Fear is, is the thing that kind of steers us and makes us do some of the things that we're doing. And, and, and we're like, wow, we, we're responding and we're reacting in such a way because we're like, wow. See, I, I, I believe that there are people that can, you're parenting out of a place of fear. There are people that are at their work and at their, their college and uni and, and they're reacting and responding in a way because fear is the thing that's forcing them and driving them and pushing them on. Maybe like in a relationship situation right now, you're reacting and responding in a way and it's out of fear. See, I, I'll put my hands up and say that, that I, I, I sometimes parent out of a place of fear. I can feel myself being driven by fear. My daughter is 19. Lovely little princess, Kezia, 19. And some members of the opposite sex have began to show interest in my daughter. And I am not in a good place about that. And my wife sometimes has to say, Mark, 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 we cannot parent from a place of fear. You see, we, we sometimes get driven by fear. And I wanted to tell you today, friend, fear is a terrible driver. Fear is a terrible driver. It will take you to places in your mind that you did not want to go. It will take you to places and it will make you go to things in your imaginations and it begins to build stuff up in your head that you never wanted to go there, but fear has taken you there. It's like, wow, I begin to think and I begin to imagine and begin to go through all kinds of scenarios. And it's like, wow, this is fear that is driving me in this way. And I'm standing in front of such a great crowd and I feel that there are some people that you, you have anxiety, you have fear and it kind of is steering your life. You, you, you make decisions based on some of the things that you're fearful about. You, you kind of like get up in the morning and sometimes you feel like you can hardly breathe because your anxiety seems to be gripping you and fear seems to be overtaken. It's like we can be driven by fear. I, I know some of this because a few years ago, you know, I was, I was leading some of the large events, youth events in Britain and, and, and I was on stages and I was like, there were thousands of people and I oozed this confidence and I was this guy on the stage that if you saw him, you'd be like, wow, he's put together well, he's sorted, he knows what he's doing. And yet in the evenings, I, I was like a little baby. I was crying like a little child. My wife came into the room once and I was kind of all curled up. And she says, Mark, you, you're like a little baby. It's like, this is steering you. This is driving your life. 
anxious about all kinds of things, nervous and worried. I noticed that my vocabulary became like this. I would often use the words in normal sentences. The thing I'm nervous about is, I'm nervous about, and I noticed that like fear is driving me. See, I love the Bible because the Bible says that love never fails. And incredibly, we can see in 1 John 4 verse 18 that the Bible says, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. That today, some of us could maybe have a moment in our life where we, we kind of open our hearts up to God and we say, God, today, let there be a defining moment where love casts out fear. I was laughing because I saw quite a humorous thing happen um, a little while ago where I saw a car and it was driving along and it was kind of all over the lanes and the car was not being driven well at all. And then it just kind of pulled over to the side and then this kind of slightly large lady got out the passenger seat and she stormed round and she opened the driver's seat and she hoiked this guy out and he was like quite sheepish and he, he went round and he sat in the passenger seat and she got in and the car went on. And I was laughing my pants off, yeah? I was loving it. But you know, for me, this is an image of what God wants to do for us. Is that like God wants, it's like, Fear is driving terribly. Fear is taking us to places we don't want to go. Fear is all over the place. Perfect love casts out fear. That today, God's love, that God would come, the car would stop. There would be a moment where love comes. God's love would come and take fear out of the driving seat. And that love would take over and that fear would be hoiked out of that position. That for some of us today at the end of the service, it would be good for us to be like, God, I don't want this anymore. I don't want anxiety and fear to be the driving force of my love. Let perfect love cast out fear. You see, I, I really love this, but I felt to say that we have to allow love to steer us through this next week. That we have to allow love to steer us through this next week. Um, because we're into all kinds of interactions in our life. We've got all kinds of things going on. We've got all kinds of challenges going on. And we must begin to respond in a way that is love. You know, like the Bible here says, you know, love is not boastful. Love is not. And it's like all of these things. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not boast. It's like, wow. You know, that love would steer us through this next week. In all the different interactions, in all the different things that are going on, we've got to allow love to kind of, oh God, don't let me react in a way that is not love, but I want allow love to steer me. I am, I've realized something about me is I'm a ruminator, right? A ruminator. I think about stuff and I think about it and then I overthink about it and then I think about it a bit more, Yeah. I, I have a journal, which is good. I keep a journal every day. Um, and that's good, except when 
if you use your journal to just go over stuff over and over again. I don't know if anyone else does that. And then underline it. And then the next day, again. And it's just like, yeah. And it's like, and I'm, I've realized that I'm someone that I, I get stuck on things. I think about them and think about them and think about them. And it's like, wow. It's, I call it, I call it the tragic roundabout. The tragic roundabout. Does anyone ever remember the kids' program, Magic Roundabout? I love that there's loads of people going, no, no, I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that's the sort of stuff we had when we were kids, the Magic Roundabout. And I call it the Tragic Roundabout because basically I get stuck on stuff and I get in and I go round and round in circles. And, you know, I, I've really had to come and say, God, I, I don't want to go round and round in circles. I need your love I need your love to come, to steer me through this week, to make sure that like I get stop getting stuck on stuff. And what happens with me sometimes? I know you're all like lovely Christians. I know there's a lot of people in the room that like you lovely, lovely, nice people. You would never do this, but let me be the one to kind of say that sometimes I, I get a little bit bitter against someone. Stuff happens, and I get. And I think about it. And I don't know if anyone else does this. You're driving along and you're thinking about that conversation and how you're going to, and I'm going to say to them, and if they say that, I'll say this back. Have you ever done that? And you've got like a whole script of a conversation going on in your head. And if they say this, do you know what I'm going to say to them? I'm going to say that, yeah. So you've got it all going on. See, God's had to deal with some stuff in me because, you know, bitterness is the poison that you drink and expect the other person to die. Bitterness is the thing that we, we think, oh, you know, we're bitter against someone and sometimes they don't even know. Sometimes they're not affected at all. They're having a great time and we're the ones that are dying. It's like love. Oh God, I need to, I need to have love. I need to have kindness. I need to, I want to be able to like live and respond and have love steer me through the week. I don't want to react in a bitter way. I don't want to respond in that way. Somebody in the room, you, you, you're upset and maybe it's a boss or, or, or maybe it's like someone in the family. Maybe somebody's offended you. And guess what God's saying? God's saying, you know, forgiveness isn't you saying Oh, they were right after all. That is not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is to set you free. To say, do you know what? I forgive you. I'm not saying you were right. I'm just saying I'm not going to be bitter against you. My dad, I, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. And my dad, we used to do breaking the bread every Sunday morning. And he would do these things. Some of you have heard of this where it's from the Bible, I think. And basically, it's like where he says, if anybody here has got anything against anyone else, we're going to put it right, right now. So we're going to have a few moments where we're all going to bow our heads and you're going to put stuff right. Well, I was 16, 17 in my dad's church. I would sort of look up and there would be a queue waiting to talk to me. Yeah? There was like a few people. Like all these different people that I'd offended that week. He's like, oh, God, why'd you keep doing that? And then one Sunday, I remember I was so bitter against this person. Everyone's head was bowed. My dad did this thing again. And we're in the presence of God. And I'm like, I've got to do it. 
And I remember standing up and the chair crashing. And I remember all the people looking up to see who it was, yeah, to share for prayer, yeah, and uh, oh, just to pray for them. And uh, I remember having the longest walk right across the room as I went and I had to say sorry to this person. I mean, wow, dealing with that bitterness. I mean, there's a great end to that story because I was on PA, I was on the sound one Sunday when my dad did it again. And this time it was a lady who had a problem with my dad. And she came to the front and she was speaking to my dad about her problem. She was whispering, but my dad had a tie mic on. <laughs> I know I should have turned it off. You know what I'm saying? I know. I know that the right thing to do would have been to be discreet, yeah? But I was just nudging it up a little bit, yeah? Let's let the whole room hear this lady's complaint against the pastor. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll never do that again, yeah? No, but letting love steer us through the week. Allowing love to steer us through the week. I want to be somebody who is patient. I want to be somebody who is able to be kind. I was just praying. I was just praying in the service a few minutes ago and I felt like God's speaking to someone about being kind in a really unkind environment. I feel like somebody is living, your situation is very harsh and sometimes it's kind of putting that truth needs to be... And it's all, and that God's speaking to you right now that you must be kind in a harsh environment. That we allow love to steer us through this day. See, I don't want fear to be the driver. I want love to be the driver of my life. And then I feel stirred to say that I love this church. I really enjoyed coming last year. I love the heartbeat of what God is doing here. And I'm really excited about the momentum of what God is doing with you guys. There's definitely a sense of the anointing of God and what he is doing. And yet here I am, stirred up to say this to you, that we must be moved by compassion. We must be moved by compassion. We must be driven by compassion. We must be pushed on by compassion. So often I go to churches where it's just like, wow, things are good and they've got themselves into such a great little kind of momentum that they're happy. But yet here we are with God doing some wonderful things and God speaking to us directly as a church that we must be moved by compassion. We must be moved to go to the broken, to the ruined, the marginalized, the devastated. We must allow compassion to drive us to the places that no one else wants to go to. That we must allow compassion to push us to the people that nobody else is bothering with. That no one's got any time for. I don't know if you've ever seen or heard the story of the Costa Concorda, which was the big ship that went crashing into the rocks. 
And some of you that do know this story, you'll know that the, this boat began to sink and that people were drowning. And there's this incredible part of the story where the captain and his crew members, they zip up each other's life jackets and they get into like a lifeboat and they go. They leave. The ship is sinking. And if you've ever heard the Coast Guard, there's this incredible exchange between the Coast Guard and the captain. And it's all done in Italian, but you capture what is going on. The, cap, the Coast Guard is speaking to the captain and he's saying, women and children are dying. Women and children are dying. You must go back. You must go back. And this captain is, oh, no, no, he's too, I'm scared. I'm afraid. It's too dark. I don't want to. And he gets to land. And some of you know that he's now in prison because of his actions. But when I saw that story, to me it was like a picture sometimes of the church. You see, because for me, sometimes the church, it feels like it's a group of people just zipping up each other's life jackets, patting each other on the back and saying, wow, we are saved. Let the world go to hell. It's like, oh, we're okay. We've got this. This is wonderful, lovely worship. Wow, it's all nice and comfortable. And we're just sailing away whilst the world goes to devastation friend if that is church I'm out I don't want part of that God is calling us that we would be moved by compassion that we would go to the marginalized and the broken and the ruined and the devastated that we would not just want to be about being in a nice little comfort zone I go and I see churches where they're just like enjoying, rubbing each other's backs, saying, oh, it's terrible. The world is a horrible, terrible place. Those dirty prostitutes and horrible alcoholics. It's like, oh, we're just together, our little huddle. Just, oh, Jesus, take us home to be with you. Oh, friends, God is asking us that we would go to the broken to the ruined, the damaged, the devastated. I was in a church recently and I was on the front row and the leader told a story and I fell on my knees and started to sob. He told a story of how this woman in their church has um, been married to her husband for 40 years and she's asked him every Sunday to come to church and he never has come. And then one Sunday she came down the stairs and he was on the settee in a suit. She says, what's happening? He goes, I'm going to come to church. She was so elated. They had two services. She goes, well, listen, I'm going to go and serve in the first service, but, you know, come. Yep, no problem. I know where it is. Fantastic. She was so pleased. She came to the first service. She served. She got caught up in some stuff. And then she came in the second service, and she's looking everywhere for him. He's nowhere to be found. And over dinner, she said to him, you told me you were coming. And he said, I did come. He says, I came and he told her exactly where he sat. He says, and I was sitting there and this couple came over and says, excuse me, could you sit somewhere else? Those are our seats. 
we've sat there for the last 30 years. And because he's a polite man, he got up and they went and sat there and he couldn't find anywhere else to sit. And so he got in his car and he went home. I fell on my knees and I sobbed. Friends, church is not about us having a nice, cozy and comfortable time. It's not about us all like, oh, I like it like this. This is the kind of music I like. I like it when he speaks like this. It's not... It's not master chef. It's not about us holding up cards. Do you know what I'm saying? You go to some churches and it feels like people are holding up cards for the worship band. Six out of ten. No, no, you were brilliant. You were amazing. Just let me say. Six. Two, two men were leaving church. And one turns to the other and says, what did you think of worship this morning? He says, oh, I didn't like it. I didn't do any of the songs I like. Drums are too loud. And I mean, who told that woman she can sing? I mean, what was that? And he turned to her and he, he turned to him, sorry. He turned to him and he says, Oh, I didn't realize it was for you. It's not, worship is not an entertainment that we're like marking out a 10. It's about us glorifying God. It's about God. And there's like so many churches that I go to where, you know, we're just like, what have we become? What have we become? We've become this comfortable, cozy little group that are just sailing away to heaven. No, friends, God has called me to come to speak to your soul today that we must keep on. It's not about having it comfortable. The captain of the ship's like, oh no, it's dark and it's wet and it's frightening. I don't want to go back. No, your responsibility is you must go back. And God speaks to us and says, no, it's not about playing comfortable church. We must go to the broken, the devastated, the marginalized. I'm going through a really exciting time in my ministry where I'm getting lots of invitations and last year I got these two invitations for the same weekend and one of them was for a lovely church in Burgess Hill where they would look after me well and they would give me snacks in the green room and I was looking forward to that and then the same weekend there was another email for that same weekend and it was an email asking me to do my show in a pub in East Belfast. <laughs> they, they did not even try. They did not even try and make it sound good. They said, you, if you come and do this, you may end up getting head-butted in the face. <laughs> what? what? What is this email? What, I mean, what about my emails making me go, I want, I want to do that, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at this lovely church in Burgess Hill where I can maybe preach a lovely sermon and people can come up at the end and say, wow, what great oratory. And instead, I'm going to be in a pub in East Belfast. And I was like, oh, I know where I'm going. And I even told my PA, I says, listen, I says, that, 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 I, feel, I feel a bit of a stirring towards that Burgess Hill church. I feel a, I feel, I feel, I feel a stirring. I feel a stirring. And I remember I had to go and drive somewhere and in that journey, God began to speak to me. God saying, you're, no, you're not going to that Burgess Hill Church. Mark, you are called 
to bring light to the darkness. You need to be in that pub. I'm like, God, you go, yeah? <laughs> but you see, friends, I, I had to go. I'm not... It wasn't this incredible, wonderful sort of preach where, you know, I did it in a pub in Belfast and an and Irish gentleman were putting their beer down and standing up and saying, what must I do to be saved? That did not happen. When I started chatting about Jesus, 20 of them went to the toilet, yeah? 20 at once. That is, there's no way that 20 people need to go to the toilet at the same time. It wasn't comfortable there were moments in it that were rubbish there were moments in it where I did some stuff and I thought oh and it didn't go well and there were other moments that were amazing but guess what it's not about your comfort zone Mark Ritchie it's not about you just getting to go on platforms that you want to be on it's about you going to the devastated and the broken and the ruined and church, God is calling us the Holy Spirit like that Coast Guard. He's saying, you must go back. You must keep on going back. You cannot just like sail away and go to heaven and have glory, glory, glory. You must go back to the broken and the ruined. I don't know, as the musicians are coming, I had to drive pretty slow today because of the fog. But what it meant was as I was driving into this area, God was speaking to my soul about the thousands of devastated and broken lives around here. Damaged people. People have got all kinds of issues and challenges going on. Challenges to their sexuality, challenges to their mental health, challenges to their identity, all kinds of stuff going on. And it would be easier for us just to put a service on and just to have church. But God is calling us to the broken, to the devastated, moved by compassion. I wonder if we could bow our heads in the presence of God. God, your, your glory is here. Your presence is here. We have sensed your heartbeat. felt really challenged that there are people in this room and you know that you're driven by fear anxiety's got the steering wheel and what I'm going to do in a moment is I'm simply going to count to three and I'm going to say on three if that is you then I'm going to ask you just to stand and I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm believing that there's going to be a moment perfect love casts out all fear. So if that's you today, maybe you're parenting from a place of fear. Maybe anxiety is ruling the day for you. Maybe you're fearful about your work or your finances. Maybe fear is just taking you to places you never wanted to go then I just ask you that on three that you would stand and let me pray over you today. One, two, three. Just stand. That's good. That's great. Holy God. Holy God. Father, 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 Father. 
Your presence is so real, Father. You are so holy, so awesome. God is, these wonderful and great people are just standing before you right now. Holy God. I'm just praying, Father, that fear would no longer be in the driving seat. That we're like speaking to it today. We're like saying and we're commanding that fear, anxiety, worries, nervousness would no longer drive our lives. But perfect love would cast out fear. That God, just as that image that I spoke about earlier, about that lady getting out the car and hoiking her, her, the bad driver out the driving seat, that perfect love right now would come and would hoik this fear and nervousness and anxiety right out of the driving seat. That perfect love would rule the day. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Peace. Perfect peace that passes all understanding. Jesus' name. Church, I wonder if you could just join us and stand in. Could everybody stand? I would love to pray. My heart is passionate about praying for this area, about us being driven by compassion. I don't believe this church is a church that's in its little lifeboat just sailing away but the momentum of what God is doing here is not just about you gathering more Christians but it's about impacting a community is that not right? it's about impacting a community it's about turning this area around it's not about Christians hearing about you guys and joining because it sounds like a good glory club but it's about unsaved families getting impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ it's about streets being turned around. It's about communities finding wholeness in God. If you feel comfortable, I wonder if you could raise your hands up to heaven. And as our hands are raised up to heaven, we call out to you, God. We pray, God, that even this evening, people would connect to you. Even in the middle of this comedy show, people would connect to you tonight. And that this would be the beginning of many coming to faith. Oh God, as a church, we pray that you would, oh God, move our souls, move our hearts. That God, that we would not be thinking about our own comfort, but that we would be thinking about the broken and the ruined and the devastating. That oh God, that you would call us to the housing estate. God, that you would call us to the businesses and the pubs and the clubs. Jesus name let salvation spring up from the ground may masses come to faith in the name of Jesus